Today's episode of Found Down is brought to you by Unwound Retreats. Unwound Retreats offers fun events and travel experiences for nurses locally and internationally. Founded by me, Nicole Johnson, ICU nurse and host of the Found Down podcast, I provide opportunities for nurses to practice self-care, learn, and travel together. These last two years have been brutal in healthcare, and why not give yourself the gift to unwind, learn, and grow? Previous guests have loved the experiences, especially because you can just show up and know that everything will be taken care of. Unwound Retreats is offering exciting and luxurious retreats in Morocco and Mexico. Go over to unwoundretreats.com and sign up to get on the email list so you can find out more. Hey there, this is Nicole, the host of the Found Down Podcast. What is up? I'm just popping on here. I promise I'll get rolling here in just a minute. I want to say thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to this show. Of course, I've said it before, but I truly mean it. There would be no show without the listeners. And you guys are awesome. Seriously. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for pressing play today. Thank you for sharing the podcast with your friends. Thank you for talking about it. Having water cooler I don't know. Do we even do water cooler things? Anyway, having water cooler conversations, whatever you're you're doing, I love that you are supporting the show. You know, this is like a little DIY project. This is like your garage band, you know, podcast. Um, I'm the one that does the show. I do all of it. Um, the recording, the producing, the editing. Sometimes you're probably like, you <laughs> you probably want me to send it out so I could do a better job. Um, but Hey, I just want to say thank you for listening and for supporting the show. You know, I know that I stutter. I know I don't always sound perfect. Um, and you could be spending time listening to somebody else. I just want to say thank you for being here. I truly appreciate you. Today's episode of found down is brought to you by Nicole Kupchik consulting. She's a critical care CNS and educator who's created all kinds of products and resources for nurses to continue their education, advance their practice, and earn CEs. She has amazing courses, you guys. Check out her hemodynamic monitoring course, her cardiac boot camp. She's got certification review courses like CCRN, PCCN, and the CMC and CSC. We need all kinds of acronyms in nursing. Anyway, go over to NicoleCupchickConsulting.com and check out her products over there. You're going to want to use the coupon code FOUNDDOWN20 to get 20% off her products at checkout. So go over to NicoleCupchickConsulting.com and use the coupon code FOUNDDOWN20. Oh, and don't forget to have your hospital reimburse you. Welcome to the Found Down Podcast. This is a podcast of untold nursing stories that are sometimes hilarious, dark, insane, and anything in between. As a warning, this show is rated E and is mature in content. It often deals with the reality of life and death and how we as nurses intersect with that on a regular basis. If we laugh, it's not out of disrespect. We love what we do and have every intention of continuing to do so. With that, enjoy the show. Well, hello and welcome to the Found Down Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Johnson. And oh my God, I am so stoked because I'm talking to the dopest ladies in 
science communication and science and oh. in, in healthcare and like, you know, uh, I've got epidemiologist cat, Dr. Katrine Wallace. She's a PhD in epidemiology with 15 years of research experience. And she's also a professor at University of Illinois at Chicago. Woo! <laughs> Coming in clutch as the kids say. Um, and then I've also got Christina NP, Christina uh, NP, Christina Kim. She's a ner- oncology nurse practitioner. And she also has a BS in biochemistry. She's also, you know, a science communicator. And both of these ladies are on TikTok and Instagram, battling the good fight. So I just thought it'd be so fun to bring them on the show to talk about what's up. Like something might be up. I don't know what's up, but something. Something's <laughs> something, always up. Something's happening. And um, just to talk about maybe the pandemic, vaccines, something called Omicron. Um, and whatever. Anyway, before we do any of that, how are you both? So good. So good. I feel like this is like a state of the union of the pandemic that we're doing right now. Yes. I know. This is so much fun because I love both of you. Same. Ditto. Yay, ditto, same. ditto. 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 <laughs> this is awesome. Uh, and what about you, Kat? It's crazy. It's crazy. There's a lot going on. I mean, I feel like there is a lot of misinformation now kind of almost more than ever. And I want to say it seems like, and if we're talking about science communication, it seems like there is mounting evidence, right? That the vaccines are working and that they're preventing deaths and severe disease. And you can see in every public health jurisdiction worldwide that there's that separation in the graph where there's like you know, deaths in the unvaccinated versus deaths in the vaccinated of COVID. But despite that, and maybe because of that, all the misinformation has sort of ramped up to 11 recently. (laughs) And so I feel like in the face of this mounting evidence, we're getting, you know, mounting trolling, harassment, bullying. So a lot of us have either taken a step back or reduced the amount of content because literally when we post videos now, it's just comment after comment of just trolling, harassing comments. And it's just been, it's been a lot. (laughs) It's been a lot. Oh my God. Do you think there's like some kind of, um, I guess it must be like a systematic, like people are coming together and be like, we are going after these folks. And I do think so. Um, We talk about this a lot is that there's like, a, and I was actually live with uh, Dr. Eric a little while ago. Um, I was like, I have to go get myself pretty for my podcast. Um, (laughs) But uh, we were talking about how it seems like, and Christina can chime in for sure on this one too, that when there's some kind of news story, there's always like this reaction to it with anti anti-vaxxers, anti-vaxxers and trolls and comments. And so it's like, now it's like the boosters. So it's like, oh, the vaccine doesn't work. And, or it, it's like a response to news stories almost. And there's these cycles that go like the, the conspiracies never die. They just keep coming back in like new forms. <laughs> 
Yeah. I, you know, what I find so interesting is I think back to early in the pandemic when we first started making content and first started addressing this information. And Dr. Kat and I have talked about this before, where, you know, at the time we didn't have data to back us up, right? Everything we were talking about was either based on just best guesses based on our own sort of experience or scientific knowledge, um, based on whatever data we could get out of other countries that were kind of experiencing this ahead of us. And I remember thinking to myself, like, you know, at some point I'm going to have to change my TikTok to a different theme. Cause at some point we're not going to have any more to talk about. And I actually <laughs> foolishly thought the vaccines will be out. And then what's there to talk about after that? And boy, was I wrong because yep. like Dr. Kat said, it's almost as if the more data and science that emerges, the more irrefutable evidence that is presented, it's counterintuitive. You would think that that means that it would shut down the anti-vaxxers and the folks that are non-science believers. And yet it seems to fuel them more. Fuel it is them. such a peculiar phenomenon that we're all kind of witnessing at the same time. It's so bizarre. It is it's so, bizarre. so bizarre. Yeah. So it's been, it's been almost unbearable lately because <gasps> it's just been a lot. And like I said, Dr. Eric and I were just talking about this. So it's kind of fresh in my mind. The fury is fresh in my mind. Get it but, out. Get it out. But he was saying the same thing on his page that every time he posts a video and same with Christina, same with me, every time we post anything, it's like just they just come after you. So I do think it's organized. I do think it's um, there's been articles written about it. There was an I, I just read one. Uh, it was like an interview with one of these like trolls that is he's actually paid to make comments like this on people what? on people's pages yeah it's a bit gosh, while we're talking I'll find the I'll find the link and you can put it in the show notes it's crazy yeah. I have um, heard that it's like a money-making scheme and I'm always like I don't quite understand I mean or, or or some of these folks anyway that are push, pushing out all this false information or like what they've got some pyramid scheme or they've got books to sell or I don't know and the, the social media networks also are complicit because they totally. they get money, right, from advertising. And the more videos get shown to people, the more money they make on it. So for them, it's sort of like they have these policies in place that they, you know, remove, you know, content that violates their guidelines. But we know that's not happening because we've been reporting, like Christina said, we've been doing this since March of 2020. And we've reported so many videos. And how many videos, Christina, do you think have been re taken down because you reported? I mean, I would say, yeah, maybe, yeah, not many at all. And they always come back saying it doesn't violate guidelines. And kind of to your point, Dr. Kat, about how the social media platforms are definitely complicit in this, those videos that we often respond to or that we, um, that we report are the ones that have, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of views yeah. on an account that typically doesn't get that many views. There's something about these algorithms, particularly on TikTok, that seems to favor misinformation. It seems yeah. to want to boost these videos that are clearly just um, uh, drawing attention, the wrong attention, but drawing attention, yeah. right? And I think that's, it, it's really a problem. The social media platforms are definitely part of the problem. Yeah. So these algorithm platforms are driven by engagement, right? So if you are somebody that likes cats and you like and comment on pictures of cats, you'll keep getting pictures of cats. That's just how it works. So people that like conspiracy theories and anti-science information or any kind of right-wing extremism are going to see these videos and there you will keep serving them up. So 
there's been like research on this, that if you start out on TikTok liking videos that are just like conservative content, like within an hour, you'll be being shown anti-vax content. And like Christina said, our videos that are just science information are not sexy or intriguing or sensational viral content. It can't really compete in an, in an algorithm driven platform that's favoring this viral content because those videos that are like, this is something the government doesn't want you to know. And this is something that's being silenced. You know, those things are intriguing and keep people watching and they get shared millions of times. Right. I think what also, so I have two points, two thoughts from that. I think one is that, um, uh, you know, when we think about how we as a society receive news today, it's different than how we did years ago, right? Like our prior generation, we would seek out information, like we would read the newspaper actively, right? We would go on newyorktimes.com or washingtonpost.com actively to read the news. Instead, now people are getting the news from social media, which is being hand-selected for them. So what's being delivered to them is biased. It is completely um, one-sided and it's not, you're not getting the full sort of perspective from an entire newspaper front to back like we used to do. Um, And then the other thought I have about that, to your point, Dr. Kat, is that, you know, some of my posts, um, I used to do more of these, this type of content, but some of my posts are more like, you know, a little bit attitude a little snarky, like a little sassy. And I respond to people's videos and I'm like, oh my God, this person doesn't know. And those videos are the ones that get the most views. Those videos are the ones I'm least proud of because they, yeah. to me, aren't demonstrating in some ways, like, you know, and, and other videos I'm being very like sort of didactic and just sort of presenting data. And those I feel proud of because I've done the most research into those, but those get the least views, right? So there is something about sort of excitement and spiciness and sass that like really gets people excited and that gets views and that gets engagement, um, which is a shame, I think, because that's not necessarily the most effective way, I think, to do science communication. I totally agree. Um, people on, on social media love cancel culture. And so anytime you're making an example of another person, or it could come across like you're making fun of them, that content will go viral. And so mm-hmm. like my videos, I'm the same as, as Christina, I don't really like to do that. That's not who I am, really. So I struggle with that too, because I'm more of a teacher and I want to educate and that's what I want to use my platform for. But if I'm stitching a wrong video and then use that as a like mechanism to then educate, that video will do much better than if I just stand up and say like the vaccines save lives, you know, like that won't, that'll get like no views. But if I'm showing somebody saying they don't work and then I come on and say it much, much more because then it seems like I'm like canceling or making an example of that person. And that's what these social media platforms, that's what people want to see. And Mm -hmm, again, I'm not proud of that either, but that's, it's kind of like you have to play the game. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, cause like, like you said, Dr. Kat, what I try to do in those examples or those types of videos, I, I do try to educate. I try to provide legitimate information explaining why that video is wrong. And, And part of it actually, um, I, so part of my goal in making content is because the vast majority of my followers probably are self-selected. They agree with the type of content I am putting out, right? The people who are following me are following me because they want to follow my content. So then it begs the question, well, who are you making content for, right? Are you just preaching to the choir? Are you just making content for people who already believe what you believe? Mm -hmm. And I think a big part of what we do in our purpose is to provide people with language and verbiage to use in their own individual lives. So 
If we stitch a video that is pure misinformation, the vaccines cause for infertility or whatever it may be, um, and, and we explain why that's not true, we go study after study and say why none of the data has shown that it caused infertility. Um, part of that is to provide that audience member or that follower to say, oh, now I know what to say to my aunt who says that to me at Thanksgiving yeah. dinner, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so I do think as discouraged as we often get at the trolls and the troll comments and not sure how much we've reached people, I, I do try to remind myself that that is a big part of the work that we do mm-hmm. is to provide the language and the data that people need to then talk to their own community about these very misinformation issues that will come up in their own conversations. And I think our followers are also, ha- like she was saying, they're also trying to fight misinformation. And so we are like a resource for them mm-hmm. to try and do that. So I, I, and it's also, it's, it's very nice to see it actually. Sometimes when somebody will ask me a question that I can tell is a genuine question. And if I click on their page, you can see they've got a few videos of like where they've tried to also share real information or duets of Christina and Eric or me or and I'm like oh that's I like I just love seeing it propagate that way yeah right right because not everybody's going to feel comfortable making content necessarily right. and having a big audience yeah but they can they can have an impact in their own community you know mm-hmm. do you think there's a way to hold TikTok or Instagram accountable for the what they show in their algorithms so I mean, because it's starting to happen a little bit just in Congress. There's been a few hearings about um, holding them accountable for things like the election misinformation and Myanmar and things that have happened due to social media kind of uprises that have happened because of and and um, gone viral because of social media. And um, I know that the Center for Countering Digital Hate, which is a group that is a not-for-profit organization that's it's in Washington, they um, have been testifying in Congress, and they've done quite a bit of research showing that, you know, like 65% of anti-vaccine content is all due to like 12 anti-vax accounts um, and, you know, things propagating off from there. So They've done quite a bit to try to hold these companies accountable. And then also there was that wish whistleblower, Frances Haugland or whatever. She came forward to try and, you know, give real information of what's going on there because they had been up to that point deflecting and denying that there was even an issue. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's know. starting to happen. But if the the communicate the the I don't remember the name of the act, but there's a government, um, like a communications and something act from 1996 that governs that social media networks are not, or websites are not responsible for what goes on, what content people put on their pages. Now that was done in a pre-social media world. And that Mm. really, and they're still being governed by this hands-off legislation, which really doesn't make sense anymore because it's harming public health and yeah. harming democracy. Definitely. Oh, yeah. I just don't understand. Um, and back to sort of the original point of like, you, you feel like this fight has got even tougher um, be, in this stage of the pandemic. I'm just, I'm like, are they, these folks just like, they're like, they're just like, it's like a war. They're like, 
Well, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to understand because it's such, it feels so foreign to us. Right. I think for those of us that are like science minded and those of us in healthcare that actually see the impacts of this disease with our own eyes, I feel like our perspective is just different. So it's, it's near impossible for us to understand that perspective and to understand almost, I don't know if it's like stubbornness or just whatever you want to label it, there's something that's causing this mental block that is stopping people from being able to just sit back and say, let's just look at the facts. Right. And they Mm -hmm. instead, um, I don't know, get their information from other sources. It's, it's, I don't know. I don't don't know if there's any psychologists listening, but I'm sure there's some deep psychology here involved because it's, it's, it's fascinating in some ways. So I'm not, I'm not a, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, I'm just, but they're killing people. This is essentially, unfortunately, this is the ramification. It's that they're killing people. People are believing this and then they're dying. They didn't have to die. No. And I'm not a psychologist, but I've spent a lot of time thinking about this, obviously, because we've been doing this now for so long. And it seems to me that, you know, the way cognitive biases work is that when you're scared or you're freaked out about something or something feels outside your control, then you're going to default to whatever information you already have on file, right? So for us, that's science. We are used to reading the data. We understand it. That's our default, right? For other people, it might be God, it might be, um, you know, politicians, it might be their family, it might be something else. So that's why it's so dangerous that this pandemic has become so interlaced with politics and religion. And that's why I think it's really having a damaging effect on people's, you know, willingness to get the vaccine, because they're like, oh, well, People at my church aren't getting it and they're good people. They're people I know. And that's, you know, that is what their default is to go to their community or this politician that I voted for says not to get the vaccine. So it must be bad. You know, this is why that is really dangerous because, you know, we we have this medical freedom now that is a political platform, not just a public health you know kind of issue. So to me, that's kind of. I, and like I said, not a psychologist here, but it seems that public health being interlaced with those things is just, it's a recipe for disaster and it is killing people. Like you said, right. I feel like it's probably always been interlaced, but it's never become so evident of a problem until the pandemic. You know what I mean? I think, I yeah. think probably there always has been that like enmeshment that isn't healthy or that enmeshment with politics and public health or whatever healthcare that just doesn't make sense. But again, I think it just hasn't been as obvious of an issue until now, you know? Yeah, exactly. And we have this mass pandemic that's made it even more polarized. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Um, (laughs) wow. Well, I just want to say thank you for all the work that you do out there that you're, that you are continuously fighting against misinformation and that you continue to do so on behalf of all of us in the healthcare field, like just thank you. And, you know, I just want to just many, I don't know, many thanks. And, um, so I just really appreciate the work that you do. And I know everybody else does despite the haters. Well, we appreciate what you do in the ICU. I couldn't even do that for five minutes. So (laughs) Yes. Thank you, Nicole. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) You're welcome. Okay. Let's 
talk about the pandemic for a moment. I know something new is happening. <laughs> Can't imagine what that might be. What is that? Yeah. Um, so obviously we know there's a new variant of concern. Omicron, Omicron is here. Um, do you mind talking about like, what do we know and, and why should we not freak out? I'll start with that part of the equation. It's like, we really don't need to freak out because we know what we're doing by this point, right? It's 20 months, 22 months into this or something. I stopped counting. And we've, we know how to prevent COVID, right? It, every time we have a surge because of a new variant, it's, it's really people not using the mitigations. We have like all these layers of mitigation that we know work. We know masks work. We know social distancing works. We know not doing crowded events indoors works. We know not going to work when you're sick works. In Chicago after, so we have every week we have an update from our public health director. And she was saying that all the Thanksgiving cases that are now trickling in are all people that were like, the people that had gone to Thanksgiving, like just having thought they had like a normal cold because they were mild. And now there's all these other cases. And we know, we know not to do that by this point. Right. I mean, we know that it's, there are colds circulating, but like Christina always says, which I love and I use all the time, assume it's COVID till you know, it's not And that these people are not doing that. So it's, it's just, you know, we know what to do. We just aren't doing it. <laughs> right. And I think what that, whenever I hear that from Dr. Cat, I always get so reassured. It's like, we know how to stop this. We know how to prevent transmission. We know how to prevent infections. We know because Omicron is still COVID, right? It's still the SARS-CoV-2 virus. Yeah. It's the same virus. It's just a little bit different, right? With some different mutations than the prior um, more dominant variant, but we know how to prevent it. It's, it's, it's the Swiss cheese, you know, method that Dr. Kat always talks about, right? Layers of mitigation, just masks alone won't do it. Just distancing alone, just, you know, outdoors alone. All of these things have to be done together. Everybody has to participate in this. That's why it's called public health because everybody needs to take part. And then we can collectively as a community, as a society, you know, help mitigate the transmission of this virus. So I think that's always reassuring to me because you always see these scary headlines in the news. And this is why I don't like to read the news is because even the most sort of trusted and reputable sources that I trust often will have very sort of sensational headlines, which are really misleading a lot of times. And, but the reality is that, yes, I remember like when that first report of the first known Omicron case in the U.S. came out, there was this panic, this sense of panic. Oh my God, it's here. It's here. And I did too. I was like, oh my God, it's here. What are we going to do? And then I took a step back and I was like, wait, it's okay. We probably already knew it was here, but we know how to prevent it the same way we do with all the other variants. Right. So that's always been a reassuring piece of information for me as a reminder is that like, yes, it's a new variant, but we know how to manage it. We know how to stop the spread. It's the same things we've been doing. Yeah. Yeah. Just a so side he, comment. I don't know how anybody would, if they'd get a cold, well, they wouldn't be like, no, it's is, astounding. Like to me, anytime I get a sniffle or anything, I'm like, God damn it. I've got COVID. No, it's allergies. You know, I've got a, you know, I've bought a bunch of those, you know, home tests. I, I don't know. I'm thankful I'll be reimbursed for them eventually. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> like always, I'm always just like, you have to prove it's COVID. Have to. Prove it isn't COVID first. Yeah. It's just astounding it's, it's to guilty me. guilty until proven innocent is my I'm, sort of line of thinking. And I'll tell you with two kids in daycare, 
Um, we have had sniffles nonstop for the past six months or so. And we've gotten COVID tested a million times. Like we go to this, then Massachusetts, they actually, it's really great. The state has set up multiple testing sites that are free for daycare uh, students, their families, teachers. It's like specifically for daycare people. And you just drive up and they swab you and then you go. And we have driven, the, today we went again. Today we went again. And the lady was like, <laughs> oh, you're, <hi." laughs> she, like, she knew because we've been there so many times. She was like, good to see you. You're back it's again. And we're like, yeah. program. Gosh, so I mean, it's it, we've got tested, so we, and we've been negative. Thank goodness every time. But it's like we have to assume that every single sniffle, any sore throat, anything yeah. might be COVID until it's not, and that's how we have to err on the side of caution. Yeah. Yes. Wow. And uh, let me just say also, I have seen your Instagram. <laughs> seen you. I don't know. It'd be so hard to have to go through that um, over and over and over and over again. Luckily, luckily my kids, like they love it. They don't mind it at all. Cause we, from the beginning, we were like, Oh, we're going to get our noses tickled. And they're like, yay. And from the beginning, they were just like, that tickles. Like they don't mind it at all. It's pretty awesome. That is so awesome. Uh, okay. So back to Omicron. Yeah. What do we know? I know that like, yeah. So what do we know from an epidemiological perspective? Um, so we do know that, so the thing that we probably know the most about is that, so as every, everybody may or may not know, there was an increase in cases in South Africa. South Africa is very good at sequencing. So they found this new variant. So it, it has shown to have an increase in cases and in hospitalizations in South Africa there. Um, so that's kind of what put it on the radar. And when they sequenced it and kind of looked at it, they realized it had a lot more mutations than Delta. So that made it that made it qualify to become a variant of concern for the WHO because of this number of variants. And some of the oh, variants- no, Number of mutations, mutations in the spike protein. I'm sorry, mutations. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But specifically in the spike protein sorry. is where the concerning mutations are, right? I'm always like, don't use those terms interchangeably. And then I just did it. Um, yeah. So in the spike protein that actually is, yes, what it goes into our cells. So yes, correct. Um, so there's much more of those. And so, and some of them are very similar to ones that have been seen with the beta variant, which also originated from South Africa. So that one was a variant of concern. So this one also was was concerning. Sorry if that wasn't a very good explanation, but anyway, we still need more time to figure out if it's actually more transmissible than Delta. There is a lot of data suggesting that it is, but what the reason that we don't know definitively yet is that it takes a while for onward transmission to happen, develop, get detected. So those generations of cases take a while to detect and track. So these contact tracing studies like that we have out of the UK for Delta, they just take a while to do because it takes a while for you know somebody to get sick and then pass it to someone else and then that person to get sick and get detected. So it just takes physically time. Um, so we aren't really sure, but it looks as if it is. So for severity, um, we have some detection bias going on right now because we're finding it in sick people. So we aren't really sure if we're catching everything, if everything's being 
you know, so that those studies are still ongoing. And basically for severity, the natural history of the virus is that you don't get severely ill right away, right? You know that you guys know this better than me. So there's a lag time from case to severity that happens. And that, that just also physically just takes time to track and follow up on all those cases. So those two pieces of information are still kind of outstanding, but we have some information about the vaccines. There's been some studies done in vitro. So now I'm going to give a caveat that everything that happens in a laboratory doesn't necessarily then happen in a human body, right? Mm. So this is an in vitro study, but there's been some studies using blood from people vaccinated against this virus showing its neutralization capabilities are decreased by about 40 times. So that doesn't mean it's not working. It's just much lower. But Pfizer did a study about their boosters against Omicron, and that showed a 25 times increase in neutralization capabilities. So those two in vitro studies kind of almost cancel each other out. So the message was that everybody should be getting boosted due to this research that is kind of still in flux, but happening. (laughs) And so that's why the CDC came out and said, like, everybody over 18 should be getting a booster, not just those risk groups that we had before in light of this new evidence. And now 16 and 17, right? Yes. And now 16 and 17 are in the can boost category. Yep. So they are a bit... It's available to them, but because of this um, increased rare risk of myocarditis, if you are worried, if you have a 16 or 17 year old, then definitely have that risk benefit discussion with your pediatrician. Personally, the minute my son turns 16, we will be at CVS. Uh, (laughs) That's me. Yep. And yeah, on, on that note, my older son is turning five next week and he is getting his vaccine the day he actually just told me today, I'm turning five in a week. I said, what are you going to do on your birthday? I'm getting a COVID vaccine. I was like, oh, that's my boy. Oh, <laughs> um, that's so cute. It's so cute. But I just want to add a few things to what Dr. Katz said. Yeah. So absolutely in vitro studies are very helpful, but cannot necessarily be easily translated to how things happen in the human body. Right. So when you have all of these mutations in the spike protein, they aren't all necessarily important, right? So we don't know yet how many of those mutations or what combination of those mutations in the spike protein are actually going to help it evade our existing immunity from vaccines. We don't know yet, right? Um, And one aspect of it is the neutralizing capacity of the antibody. So what that means is antibodies that your body produces from a vaccine, um, you know, if it comes in contact with the spike protein target, then it will bind to the spike protein and prevent it from entering your cells. If it doesn't enter your cells and it can't replicate, you can't get infected. You can't get sick. So that's the goal of having a decent level of neutralizing antibodies in your body. But what we can't forget also is the, what we call the adaptive immune response, which is your be in your, really your T cell response. So your T cells are kind of what act, get activated a couple of days after infection, a couple of days after your body was like, Ooh, something's detected here. And this isn't right. 
you, whatever neutralizing antibodies are there will do what they can to stop virus from entering cells, but maybe not at hundred percent. Maybe it'll stop half the viruses from entering your cells. Maybe half of them will still get in. So you might still get symptoms, but what will then kick in pretty quickly. If you're a vaccinated person within a matter of a few days is your T cell and your B cell response. Your B cells will make more antibodies to kill more viruses or neutralize more viruses. And your T cells will kick in to find those cells that are infected and kill those cells. Right? So that's, that's a huge part of stopping you from being mildly infected and progressing to severe illness, right? If you can catch those sick cells that are infected and kill them before they do more damage, then that's how we prevent you from getting very ill and ending up in the hospital. So even if with a fully vaccinated person, your neutralizing antibody levels are a little bit lower than what they were before, you still have a T cell memory, your T cells will still get activated. And the hope and the expectation is that you're still going to be protected from that severe illness and hospitalization and death, which is what really we want the vaccines to do for us, you know? Yes. And she has the best video. I think that's the best video you ever made was explaining that it's so good. Um, on her page. Christina. That's awesome. I might have Thank to- you. Thanks for the shout out. The adaptive oh. immunity video. Cause it, I think you said something that really hit home in that video. You said, um, I know people say they trust their immune system so they don't get the vaccine, but I do get the vaccine because I trust my immune system. And that's exactly what, what you're explaining is that you're giving it a head start to fight the virus by getting a vaccine. And that video was so, it was so well explained. Thank you. Oh, you're so kind. Dr. You had like my famous goodness. people duetting it and stuff. <laughs> that's awesome. That's yeah. so it, it is. Ex- I mean, I, listening to you talk, I was like getting really excited. I was like, yay, my body's going to know true, what though. to do. Those neutralization studies, they're just blood, right? So it's just whatever's in the blood. So it's, it's, it's not attached to an immune system. So that other mechanism can't then come in. It's really just the neutralization yep. antibody. Yeah. And in and in a lab, it's very hard to do T cell. It's very hard to do assays on T cells that those aren't straightforward tests to do. Like it is just to measure antibody levels. So that's why that data is always a little bit harder to come by because it's just, those are just much harder studies to do. Well, don't, does it, it comes out through your bone marrow, right? Is that um, where you, their T cell, your T cell and B cell? It's, um, they're mostly stored in the, the lymph nodes, your lymph nodes are kind of where, yeah. So you, it would take some time to, Mm -hmm. but that's kind of expected. Like your adaptive immune response always just is, is lagging behind just by a few days. But if you're already vaccinated, you got a head start because you got your memory cells. If you are exposed for the first time, you've never been vaccinated, then your body is like starting from scratch to kind of figure out how to make antibodies and then make T cells to destroy your infected cells. It's like, why, why wouldn't you want to give your body that head start? Why wouldn't you want to train your body for the fight? Like, why do you want to walk into the ring never having trained before? Like never right, having yeah. put on boxing gloves? Um, no, that's foolish. No one would ever do that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, and you know, and we see these anecdotal sort of stories on like, you know, social media where folks wanted to trust their natural immunity and guess what? They got home and, and they're like, you know, damn it. I should have, you know, this is ser- like, why every yeah. time this was serious. I should have gotten vaccinated. Like just give yourself the head start. I love it. Totally. People are still like, you see those videos all the time. Like people like, I had no idea this was so bad because You've got all these yahoos on social media, like I had COVID, I was fine. It was just a cold. And like, (laughs) those people are like the ones really killing people because they're acting like, oh, you know, it's been overblown. I was fine. And 
Yeah, somebody totally. else we know sort of did that. And its name started with the T and ended with Rump. Yes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> as, as he stood up there and ripped his mask off and was clearly having dyspnea, he was like, <gasps> <laughs> "Yes." Am I yeah. right? Come on. That was, I think, the thing that pissed me off the most. I was like, "How dare you? You're gonna make all these people think this is like not a big deal oh, at yeah. all." Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry. Well, and then the right. fact that he Bad was memory. really positive when he debated Joe Joe Biden, and he was like screaming. I'm like, "Oh my god!" He was totally on steroids in retrospect, right? Because he was like crazy <laughs> in that interview. In that, debate. oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure, no <laughs> question. He was probably yeah. a little steroid manic at that point. Wow. Yeah. I so I feel like also the other thing that we often see and the argument, I think that we're almost seeing even more in conversation about boosters is like, well, it doesn't stop you from getting it. So what's the point? It doesn't stop you from yeah. getting it or spreading it. So what's the point? And it's this, you know, Dr. Kat has this great series that she has going on right now about like going over all the different types of like fallacies, basically that people use when they get, um, sorry, argue against vaccines. But mm-hmm. one of them is kind of that, like, you know, that kind of black and white sort of thinking of like, well, it's either going to hundred percent work or it's not. And if it isn't a hundred percent that I'd rather not do it at all. And nothing in this world is a hundred percent or not. Everything we do has some risk of something, right? Like I strap my kids in the car seat. Every time we go in the car, I know it doesn't guarantee they're not going to get injured in a car crash, but it will reduce their risk of having severe injury, right? Wearing a helmet when my kids are riding a bike, it's about reducing the risk. It's not about, right. It's all about everything in our lives is risk reduction. There's nothing that is, there's no risk. So, you know, even if the current vaccines we have do not have as effective, you know, um, efficacy against the Omicron variant, even if that's the case, there's some, some is better than none. Right. And that's what I tell my patients on chemo who are immunocompromised. Yeah. They're likely not going to mount wonderful responses to the vaccines, but some protection is better than none. Any amount of protection we can give you to protect you from dying from this preventable illness, that's going to be worth it. You know, that doesn't mean that every single person is going to have a perfect outcome. It just means overall, your overall risk for risk will be reduced. And isn't that worth it? I yeah. think so. Yeah. And we're definitely seeing that like there's an 11 fold decrease in death between vaccinated and unvaccinated. We're seeing a 50% decrease in long COVID um, in people that have a breakthrough infection, which is a lower percent percentage. Anyway, they're six times less likely to get infected. So it's all like Christina said, like all risk reduction, like what can I do to reduce my risk? And 11, I don't know, people listening might not understand, but we know because we read these medical articles, you almost never see an intervention or a modality that gives you an 11 fold result. Like, can you imagine in cancer, Christina, if we had a chemo that would give 11 times great less odds of death, like you know, in a certain time frame, it just doesn't happen. Huge, huge. I mean, in a lot of our studies for a lot of our chemo regimens, you know, it might've reduced, you know, progression-free survival by only a matter of months, yes. but a matter of months might be huge to somebody, right? So someone would be like, oh, living two or two or three months longer. Who cares about that? But yeah. it matters, right? Yeah, exactly. It, like exactly. Six months in a, in a metastatic regimen is like a home run. For it's, that. A whole, it's huge. Yeah. It's huge. Right. And like to have an 11 fold decrease in something, some bad outcome that is like death, amazing. <laughs> yeah, like death. Like even when the first data came out with the vaccines and it was, you know, over 90%, you know, um, um, um yeah. efficacy in the studies to reduce your risk of severe. I mean, 
those numbers were beyond what anybody expected. Yeah. We were hoping for like 60 or so, even yeah. at best 70, 90, what? Like, I mean, I, once we get through all this craziness, whenever, whatever that looks like, you know, and whenever that is, I mean, we have to look back at this period of time and say, yes, it was crazy and nutty, but what a remarkable period of time of scientific growth and development, the Goose amount bumps. of it's crazy, right? Like the exponential growth of knowledge and collaboration and discovery that we had in a two-year span, like, wow, crazy. Just ex exactly. All like the world, the scientific, the whole world of science coming together to really try to do everything we can to end the pandemic. And even just like weird natural experiments, like now we know that we could completely mitigate the flu if we really have the gumption to do so. Like we didn't, we, we weren't even trying to do that. Right. But we know wearing a mask in the winter will save lives because of the flu. And that alone is huge. That's a huge discovery. Yep. Totally. Yeah, I was um, putting up my Christmas tree last night and I was thinking about last year and I was thinking like, you know, it's just whatever. It was just December 9th. I was putting up my tree and, you know, I got my first vaccine dose on December 18th and just sort of marveling at where we came and, you know, from like the virus was here and then we were like, oh shit, I could die from this. I don't know. I could get end up really sick from this. And, you know, um, but anyway, that I got vaccinated and that um, el eliminates that risk <laughs> that hopefully, I mean, the, the chances of death are incredibly small and minuscule. But that's one thing that's so great. And, you know, you were talking about, too, though, with getting like the vaccine and getting the boosters. Yes, it mitigates my risk of like death, but also mitigates, helps me prevent passing it on to others, overwhelming the hospital, you know, like we already know that that system is really strapped and has been pushed beyond the brink, but, you know, continuing to just use the vaccine to, you know, help ourselves and help others, I think is just amazing. And, um, you know, it's a lot, it's obviously not lost on me, the progress that we've made. So I'm just, I just found myself in this great place of gratitude last night. Yeah. Like, yeah. so thankful. Mm. Even in the darkness, sometimes I'm like, oh, my God, when the fuck is this pandemic going to get over, blah, blah, blah. But um, <laughs> I'm not going to die, right? Exactly. And yeah, your you family know, isn't going to die. My family's yeah. not going to die. I didn't give it to them at Christmas. Like, I don't know about you guys, but if you've thought at all about, like, all those families this holiday season who, like, didn't have their family members there because they, like, yeah, unfortunately got it at la last holiday season, like, it's just uh, atrocious. Anyway. Yeah. And I think all the deaths that happened pre-vaccine and before the general public had access to the vaccine, uh, every death is tragic. Every death is important, no matter what. But it's it's also crazy to think that so many of those deaths that happened after that point could have been prevented, right? Like the deaths that happened before the yeah. vaccine, like, oh, yeah, it sucks. It's awful. We, we didn't know how to treat this. We didn't know anything about it. Now we know so much about this virus. We know so much how to prevent it. We know these vaccines work and reduce your risk dramatically of dying from this disease. It, any of these deaths happening now, it's like, wow, we could have prevented this. It's really yeah. nutty to think that. Mm. Yeah. My brother, you know, when we were holding out for the vaccine, my brother was just like, I really don't want to get it because it would be like dying before the, the war was at, you know, at the end of the war. Nobody wants to be to die at the end of a war because like it's almost over, you know? And, um, mm -hmm. but, um, 
anyway, we're not in that place anymore because vaccines are available, but I don't, people don't need to unnecessarily to die unnecessarily. No, totally. This is, this is now a vaccine preventable illness, right? There's no question about it. COVID is a vaccine preventable illness. It is an illness that we can, we can, people don't have, people don't have to die from it, you know, and it's really nutty to, because there are still also large pockets of pockets of populations that can't get vaccinated. Like my four and two-year-old can't get vaccinated right now. I am grateful that my husband and I are both boosted. Even if we were to get exposed to it at work or some other setting, the right. likelihood is we're not going to give it to our unvaccinated kids. Right. Thank goodness. But, um, you know, we, we have to, like you said, Nicole, have this community public health mindset that, and I've said this so many times in my posts, Getting a vaccine is not just about you or me or any of us individually. It is about that, but it also is equally about doing your part to stop the spread in the community. I yes. do not want that responsibility on my shoulders that I got one of my immunocompromised patients sick and yeah. they, they died. I do not want it on my shoulders that my kids got sick, never, or that my kids then got their classmates sick who had a grandmother at home. Like it's those sort of two to three steps ahead that we have to think about. It's not just about us. It's not. <laughs> So it's that community health mindset that's being lost on people because every single day, well, if your vaccine works, why do you care what I do? And, and it's, not it's that you. it's reducing community wide transmission will affect everybody, right? It's not just me that I'm worried about. Like, yes, if you're around me, the chances are I won't get severely ill, but the immunocompromised person that's had four doses still may not mount a reasonable response to the vaccine because of their conditions. And that's who I don't want to get, you know, COVID or or the young children, like, you know, they could be like a, it it just, that's what's being lost on people is the fact that it's the community transmission that we need to get down. And it's not about individual people. Let's just go back to Omicron for a second. Right now, it's not the dominant variant, right? Delta is still the dominant variant, but we know it's in the community because folks, like well, in King County anyway, there's like a woman who got it who has not traveled. So we know, you know, mm-hmm. it's out in the community. Um, yeah. Like sometimes I think, well, if Delta is a dominant variant and this isn't the, the, the dominant variant yet, Omicron anyway, like that also for some reason makes me feel like I shouldn't panic either because it's going to, if yeah. this is, I mean, I should continue to do the mitigation measures, yeah. but what are your thoughts about it since it isn't dominant yet? Like, so like what Christina was saying is that even if this has a lot of mutations, which we know it does, not all of those mutations may end up being important, right? Some of them might, they may all band together and make it more transmissible and more virulent, but they may all cancel each other out too. So we, we just have to kind of wait and see how these transmission studies look. And if it's going to overtake Delta, because to your point, Delta is globally still the dominant variant. And we had this issue of neutralization decrease with beta variant, and that never overtook Delta, even though it was evading vaccine um, in vitro. So Hmm. it's really too early to panic based on the information that we have. The surveillance systems that we have in place are working. They detected the variant, the... um, WHO graded it appropriately, is watching it. The CDC has claimed they've stepped up their sequencing efforts to kind of try and detect it in different pockets of the country, which is good because we are not very good at sequencing here in the U.S. 
Um, for all we know, this came from the U.S. We don't know <laughs> because we aren't very good at doing it. So, yeah, so I think it is too early to panic, especially given the fact that we all know how to use the mitigations. Yep. I think the, 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 the take-home message is the same that we've been doing to help stop the spread of Delta or any variant of COVID, right? Vaccinate, boost, um, mask, distance, avoid indoor gatherings that are large and unmasked, you know, just the same stuff we've been doing. And you know what? We, we all have pandemic fatigue. We all do. You know, I, I mean, I, I get it. Everyone's tired and wants to pretend like everything's over. My husband always jokes when we were like out and we see someone without a mask. He was like, Hey, did you know the pandemic's over? He <laughs> says that to me. And I'm like, Oh, it's over. Look, it's over. Like people are, and I, I get it. We're all tired of it. Yeah. But, um, we, we got to hang in there. We have to make this a community effort. That's the only way we will get through this. Yeah. Makes me think back to that. Um, TikTok song. The pandemic is over, even if you're over it. Yeah. <laughs> we know it. We all know it. We do. I, I wish we knew her name so we could shout her out. I don't know her name off the top of my head. Yeah. That's funny. And there's the other one that's like, have you ever looked at somebody and wondered what is going on inside their head? There's that audio that, and then they always show someone doing some crazy pandemic activity. <laughs> yeah, that's just yeah. the way it is, you know. But, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. I get. It's funny when I hear those old audios from 2020. I get like weirdly nostalgic, but there was really nothing good going on then. No, what? no. <laughs> just that you would see it, you would hear it every time you scroll. You're like, oh, there's that song again. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I know there was something that I saw in there. The oh. Oh, gosh, darn it now. And I'm not going to remember anyway. But yeah, I, I find that I get nostalgic when I see some like someone using an old audio board in from... the house. I'm in the house board. That's right. <laughs> that that That's was right. a really good early pandemic one. Yeah. That was a good one. Yeah. It's very sort of indicative of like early lockdown kind of thing. My favorite is you're still a piece of garbage. <laughs> the one that's like auto tune. Yeah. yeah. Or oh I'm God. still a piece of garbage. People are, people are so creative. I love yeah. it. I love it. I know. It's so fun. I'm sorry that it get people get down on you though. I really that's just that's unfortunate. You know, I think when we put ourselves out there in this like semi semi public, somewhat semi public way, like I think we open ourselves up for scrutiny. Yeah. And I think that's just part of it. So yeah. you know, what are you it's gonna do? Worse. Yeah. Speaking of, <laughs> people now must recognize you sometimes, right? Do you get? I've only had one time uh, at it was an outdoor zoo near us, and everyone was masked, and it was so weird because this woman we were like waiting in line to see the next exhibit, and we were approaching as they were moving away, and this woman was like, "Oh my god, I love your videos." I was like, "Recognize me?" I was so embarrassed, and my my husband was like, "Who was that?" I was like, "Nobody." (laughs) It was the only time that's ever happened. I don't know, Doctor Cat, does that happen to you? So it's, it's funny that you say that because remember on our group chat, the time that Tyler's like, oh, all my gay non-medical friends follow you, Dr. Cat. And I was like, really? I'm like, that's interesting. And then I thought about it. And I'm like, the only times that's ever happened to me here in Chicago, it's been gay men. <laughs> so it's like, apparently in that demographic, I'm very popular. Just loves you. And the other you. thing is like, it's hard to say, Nicole, because I feel like we're not going a lot of places, right? Like we're not really like going in public a lot for people to kind of like see us and stuff. So yeah. 
But and I also I live very too. close to that neighborhood. So it's it's um, funny because whenever I'm out and about over there, it happens, but never any place else. That's awesome. That's so funny. That's it's awesome. very I love it. <laughs> uh so any last closing thoughts for the show today? First of all, thank you so much for being on here for just being so awesome and oh, it's um, so fun. I, I just, I love you both so much. It's like You're chatting so with the gals, you know? Yes. I know. I know. I keep forgetting we're recording. I'm like, I know. I'm like, oh, we're on a podcast. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I, know. I swear though. I was like one, one, I don't know. There was like this, um, you know, potential to do this March, like in November that didn't happen, but I was like, oh, I should see if Dr. Dr. Kat and Christina would want to come and Ooh. meet me and we would meet up. Anyway, it didn't At happen. At some point we are. Yes, doing we it. are. We're going to have beers. It's going to be great. <laughs> but any, any um, last cl- closing thoughts for the show? Mine is just please get vaccinated if you can. Ask questions if you have questions or hesitation about it. And if you've been vaccinated, get boosted. Please. Ditto. I couldn't say it better. That's. Yep, you heard it here. And and by the way, everybody go follow if you haven't, go follow Dr. Cat, aka Epidem- epidemiologist Cat on Instagram and on TikTok, and then follow Christina NP Christina A's. Kim 7As, Christina NP 7As on TikTok and Instagram as well. They've got fantastic information and also lots of links to articles to for your learning for if you're trying to find whatever piece of information you need or data it's all there and um up to date and so so awesome so uh yeah go check these amazing women out and uh i'll just close this one out stay safe and stay sane and i'll see you on the next one yeah you guys are so great so much Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave an honest review on whatever platform you're listening. Also, feel free to share this with your nursing colleagues. If you'd like to email me, you can do so at founddownpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to send in any stories. Just make sure they're HIPAA compliant. Also, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at founddownpodcast. We'll see you on the next one.